Welcome to the Real Python Podcast. This is episode 53. If you haven't visited the website lately, then you're missing out on all the updates to realpython.com. The site features a completely refreshed layout with multiple sections to help you take advantage of even more great educational Python content. This week on the show, we have Dan Bader, the person behind Real Python, and all these architectural changes. Among the features changed are a new bookmarking system, a section to keep track of what you've been learning lately, and much more advanced ways to search the site. A new tile system makes it easier to explore learning paths, quizzes, office hours, and other sections of the site. Dan shares details about the website technology stack and why he started using Python for the core content management system. He also talks about the struggle of being the sole maintainer and feature architect. This episode is brought to you by PyCharm. Do you want to get your work done faster? Use PyCharm, the Python IDE for professional developers. All right, let's get started. The Real Python Podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week, we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. Hey, Dan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Yeah, this is, this is great. Finally, eh? I figured I'd <laughs> wait till... Yeah, I know, totally. <laughs> till number 50. <laughs> <laughs> you had to wait till we had a year, you know, make sure we were doing okay. <laughs> yep, yep. The, the the bed's been made, you know, and I'm just, just ready to... Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I mean, you know, we've... We we have our recurring like call every week, so so this is this is interesting, but uh, yeah, it's different, different no environment. Video. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and you know, I want to say like, I mean, you've you've been doing such a fantastic job uh, at at you know hosting the show and oh, and thanks building it up to the to to where it is now. I mean, it's it's just been it's just been really great. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, you know, I've learned a lot through the process and kind of refined what we're doing and found tons of amazing guests. And I'm excited what what the next year and further will hold for all of that. So yeah, yeah. I mean, cheers to episode 100, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And then and then I think we should go in 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 a thousand increments and like we'll go we'll do powers of ten. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. <laughs> that, that sounds fine with me. I'm enjoying myself. So <laughs> and it's been fun having David on. That's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited to to lay out what's coming up in the near future. And it's really kind of cool to have you come on and talk about, you know, Real Python, the site in general, and huge changes for the last year, and a lot of them really recently. And then, I don't know if we'll have time, we can talk a little bit about what you see as potential areas that we can look at for the future, too. I don't know if that'll be kept under wraps and secret or not. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I try to, to, to be pretty 
pretty open with that stuff. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, so many, there's so many changes that at least like public changes that have have happened just recently over the last couple of weeks. And there was a lot of work kind of, um, you know, behind the scenes on the back end that allowed us to do these things with the learning platform. And yeah, I'm super excited to finally, finally talk about it because it's been such a big part of my of my life, you know, for the last couple of months. And yeah, so this is great. Yeah, it's like, and you're like the the primary architect behind all of it, which is pretty amazing. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Do you run the ideas by other people? And yeah, I mean, you know, always trying to to do stuff that's based on like real feedback and listeners, you know, I've probably seen this like on the side, we usually have feedback buttons sprinkled all over the place. There's some like uh, automated surveys and stuff that we run. And then what I found is that the important stuff will always keep on bubbling up, right? Like somebody will race it over and over again. And that's, that's like the, the critical data point. Yeah. Like one thing, for example, was it was really hard for people to find, to be able to resume what they were doing, kind of continue where they left off when they were using Real Python to learn something and they were coming back like a day later. And it was really hard for them to, to just continue what they were doing and pick up where they left. And, you know, that was one of the things that was just naturally kind of bubbled up higher on the site and also based on, on feedback that we had within the team. Where, you know, David would, would hear it in office hours, we would hear it from kind of our author team. It would just be something that would come up all the time. And so, so that was like a natural thing that was, that was pretty high up on the list. And that, I think usually that's how it happens. And I think that's the best way to also do product direction. Not, not always, maybe, because I think, you know, you could, it's easy to get kind of reactive to things. And then a lot of times when somebody suggests a solution, I try not to like just go for the solution or implement that directly. But it's more like the signal is in the, hey, this is painful. And here's how I think this should be done. But you kind of want to disregard the here's the how this should be done part and more focus on like this being a signal for, you know, this sucks. Like this is not, yeah. this is not good. This is a painful, painful this thing. This is a sharp edge here. We should look yeah, at yeah. sending it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was noticing that. And of course, I spend a ton of time on the site, not only, you know, reading articles, but setting up courses and doing stuff with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it goes pretty far back. <laughs> like, I don't know if uh, if there's any limits to the continue learning, but h- how does that work exactly? Yeah. So, man, like, first of all, I want to say you, so since since you're working behind the scenes as well, you know, with, with yeah. me and the rest of the team, like you've seen all the rough edges essentially, right? Because <laughs> sure. I think it's a lot more polished on kind of the public facing parts than than uh, some of our like internal tooling is. So I think your question was about the, this continue learning uh, yeah it's the first um, it's the first thing right below like what would be you know the newest newest article yeah yeah so or or course yeah yeah so what we've done there is previously when you would go to realpython.com which is what we call the front page so if you just type real real, somebody goes and types in realpython.com into their their browser uh this is what they see and previously it was kind of it was it's just like a long list like actually like an infinite scrolling list of or not infinite but you know you could scroll for a while and it would keep on loading stuff a list of uh learning resources by publishing date very blog like very blog like and uh which is it's kind of the history of the site you know uh it it started out as a, a coding like programming blog and uh, now we've got different types of content i mean there's the podcast is integrated into the site as well for example you know there's video courses uh there's quizzes and all these other types of things and it was just getting harder and harder for people to learners to understand what's available i mean we the i I just checked you know we have like over 2200 pieces of like python 
learning content on the site. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point, like a flat list is just not gonna not gonna cut it. And so we did until about um, like I want to say. Well, a year and a half ago, we didn't really have any concept of progress on the site, like learning progress. It was just like, okay, maybe you're reading this article, maybe uh, then you, as people were, were, were starting to watch courses, they're, they're, they're consuming content and they're learning, but the site didn't really know that about you. Um, so, you know, you'd have to use your browser to bookmark stuff or uh, use Google to find content on the site. Yeah. And so I've been on this quest to, to change that, to, to really improve the, the learning platform or improve RealPython as a learning uh, platform. And we needed to do a number of things on the back end side there to really have, you know, a, a data model or a representation of that, of that learning progress. And so what's happened now with this like most recent, recent update that we published, when you're logged into your RealPython account and you go to realpython.com to the front page, you'll see kind of as a headliner, you know, the latest like newest tutorial that's been published, whether that's a course or whatever. Yeah. And then underneath, It'll have a headline sort of uh, Netflix style that that tells you, you know, okay, here are the last couple of things that you looked at that are unfinished. You know, why not go continue like reading this tutorial or uh, finishing that course? And this it may look like such a straightforward thing, you know, like oh, why not just have that? But <laughs> it it took a while to to make this happen. And there's been like a lot of uh, stuff uh, on, on the backend side that, that needed to change for that. So, for example, we didn't even have a concept of, you know, what it means to complete a tutorial or to, uh, yeah. to read it. Like it just the site wasn't aware of it. There, there's that for the, the video courses has always kind of had a, a bit of a completion tool pretty early on. Yeah, that's right. That we had that from the get go, and that, I think that was a, a good model. It was like a great way to learn about kind of what was working, what was not working from a UI perspective. Yeah. But it was the way it started out. It was a completely separate like universe <laughs> compared to the the articles. And yeah, we only had that for courses. I think when you look at real Python or the way I look at it, it's oh, here's a great like '90s words for us for us, right? Multimedia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's got a lot of baggage, right? But really, that, that, that's what it is, I think. And that's it's purely, think, yeah, what, a what, good definition for it. <laughs> it yeah. And so, so the, my definition of it is okay, you know, you, you want to learn Python, you want to, uh, or you want to get better at your Python skills, you want to stay up to date what's happening in, in the Python world. If we just give you courses or if we just give you, you know, written tutorials, I don't think that's really going to cut it, but really, I think what helps people the most is when they can really immerse themselves in a topic and with various different forms of, of media, right? And so in our case, for real Python, that could be a written tutorial on a particular topic that's really deeply researched that is um, almost like a book length sometimes. You know, we've had some insane articles where we had to also implement some, some like infrastructure improvements to be able to, <laughs> to actually like serve this to people because it would, you know, affect their browsers and whatnot. You know, you want to be able to access that and then you want to be able to maybe watch a video course on the same topic that's got that broken down. You want to engage with other learners in the comments, let's say. Maybe, you know, you, Chris, you had a great guest talking about that topic on the podcast. So we want to be able to surface that for you as well. And then on, on top of it, we want to have a, an interactive quiz that learners can take to, to kind of see where they stand on that particular topic. And if it's a broader topic, you know, not just one like, particular like thin slice into it into a certain topic then 
We also want to give them like a sequenced, uh, what we call a learning path. So somebody can start at point A and then we'll guide them to from A to B to C and, and, and help them really broadly cover that topic. And so that's, that's kind of the direction that we were going. We are still going. And a lot of the, a lot of this just didn't really exist or you had to, as the learner, you'd have to put in a lot of effort to make this kind of learning experience, this kind of learning environment happen for you. Whereas now... You have like a journal or a notebook to keep track of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, right. I mean, I hated it every single time. You know, I had to tell someone in our uh, like community um, Slack channel that somebody was asking for bookmarks. We, we would just have to point them to like, hey, you, sorry, you got to use your browser bookmark. And then they would inevitably <laughs> yeah. come back and say like, but, you know, I'm using the, the, the course lesson bookmarks. Like, why can't I just bookmark the articles as well? And it's like, yeah, yeah. You're right. You know, that that sucks. Like, we want to change that. So the continue learning, for like me, it's looking at a handful of articles and then courses I've been working on and, and so forth. Is the continue learning work for all the different types of content? So right now, it it actually only takes written tutorials into account and video courses. Okay. But I think in the future, there's room to experiment with this. Uh, I, I think certainly the quizzes should be there. Okay. Um, for learning paths, I think it might make sense. I don't know if I... It might make sense as well, although I'm I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's more like a recommendation thing or we could say, okay, you're on this path, so here's like the next thing you should do. It's uh, It's still a bit... It's still a bit fluid there, how to best surface it. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of this continue learning section to have some amount of intelligence where it's just basically trying to do the right the right thing, right? If if you've finished everything that you had in progress, well, maybe it should show you the next thing that's on a learning path that you've started. Or uh, if it's, you know, if you finished all the things you don't have any any uh, open like learning paths that you looked at maybe it should nudge you and say like oh you know look based on what you've recently like completed and probably enjoyed for that reason here's another related thing that you might want to check out or if we don't have that we could say okay look like here's what's popular right now you know this is just the last two weeks like this has been our, our most read article and why not check it out yeah so I think from from a user perspective, like that's probably nicer than like breaking it down into like, oh, here are your recommendations. Here's this other thing. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it should be magical, right? And we just you go to the site and like the first thing you see should be like, oh yeah, cool. I want to click on that. I'm, I feel motivated to learn this, and it's it's going to help me. You know, it's going to make me a better programmer, better at my job, um, whatever. Yeah. If you get to the end of an article, will it drop out of that list? Do you like mark it as completed? The same with the course. Yes. So it won't do it automatically. And that, that's something that we tested. Oh, but okay. it's not the best experience, I think, because uh, a lot of times what readers will do is, and I do that myself, you know, I'll jump to the end of the article to, to look, check out the conclusion, right? Yeah, skim it. And- yeah, you're skimming it. And so what it, we, we set it up so that a completing uh, a written tutorial is is always a manual action. Okay. Whereas in courses, if you watched all the videos, kind of the progress maps really well to you know the the video watch time. Like once you've seen everything, that means you've completed the course. You get your completion certificate, and we you know celebrate with you. <laughs> but on the article, I think it's more it's it's less linear a lot of times. Although you know our articles are written with that in mind, where you could start at the top, sit down, kind of work through the whole thing, and it it will you know, will take you by the hand and, and guide you through everything. But just, you know, what we noticed is that a lot of times that's, that's, uh, people want to kind of survey the, 
the content. And so if we automatically mark stuff as completed, that's a bit tricky. So we left that up to the user, um, but it will show up there. Like the system will know, okay, you started reading this thing. And it also has sort of like an estimate of how far we think you've read, which I mean, it's kind of dumb. It's just looking at, you know, whatever section is visible right now and then kind of calculates a percentage score based on that or you know, a percentage like reading depth. Yeah. But for, for you to say like, I'm done with this, it's a manual action. Like you have to signal that to us and, and you can do so in various ways. You know, on the article, there's a couple of uh, buttons where you can mark an article as completed or, or also bookmark it if you wanted to you know, surface it later and kind of review it at some point. Okay, cool. Moving beyond that, what do you want to dive into next that you've up- updated? Yeah, good, good question. So like I said, you know, this is, this is part of a broader theme. And one of the other interesting bits or things that has happened here is the our search has seen a ton of improvements over the last uh, month and couple of weeks. Yeah. So it was it was getting continuously getting better since since like 2017, but this most recent iteration I think is really really a big leap forward where now it is, it is personalized to 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 a degree. Like when you're logged in, it will take into account the content that you've completed. You can now run search queries directly on realpython.com where you can say, okay, you know, hi, I'm Chris. You know, I want to learn about Django views and I want to learn this at an intermediate or advanced level. And uh, the the resource type that I want for this, I only want like video courses or I only want um, articles or I want video courses, articles and, and podcasts. And then, um, you know, for all of those except podcasts, only show me stuff that I haven't completed yet. So, uh, and it's just something you you can click together with various filters and stuff. And so you can go in there and you can type in, okay, you know, show me all the resource on Django views and filter down to just, you know, intermediate to advanced level and then uh, filter down to only video courses. And then it will highlight to you exactly that. There's other types of like sorting you can apply. So you can say, you know, give me all the Django stuff that I've completed and order it by when I last uh, viewed it. So that would be a great, great way for you to review things, for example. We're, we're basically making all that data available to, uh, to users and to, to learners to be able to improve their, yeah, just uh, to their information and, and for them to, to be able to know like, okay, you know, here's, here's probably the next thing that I should check out and also make it really easy for someone to find something they've, they've seen in the past. And so that really felt like, you know, a huge, a huge change, like just, just being able to, to support that type of search query. Yeah. Um, I'm liking the, the status thing. That's really cool where you have, you know, bookmarked things that you've completed again, based on the user, right. And then in progress or not started at all. And then the skill levels, those are kind of unique filters you don't usually see in a, in a search engine that's you know very specific to the platform. Yeah, like it's, it's really tailor-made, you know, for, for learners and for, for the type of content that we have too. And I, I think a great strength of RealPython is this, this multimedia aspect, you know, like kind of the diversity of, uh, of, of types of media and learning resources where, you know, on, on certain topics like decorators, you could probably spend like days just really doing a deep dive into this this type of content and you know sure i mean it takes a you know a special type of person to to really do that and take all of that in but um you know it is it is available and it's all uh it's all connected in uh, in a way that makes that makes sense which uh, at least in my experience you know that didn't really happen when i when i was just let's say you know i'm searching for a topic on google or whatever and i find like a blog post and i find a youtube video and these are all like disjointed things and on, and on real python i can you know tie all of that together I can I can really immerse myself into into that topic 
and have it all in one place and uh, with one, you know, like quality uh, control team in place <laughs> yeah. that will make sure like, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is accurate and this is, this is good stuff. You know, it's vetted. I think you've covered this on another podcast where you were talking to Michael Kennedy, but I don't know if you wanted to describe a little bit of the, you know, the Python that is behind real Python. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. What frameworks and stuff that you're using. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I love talking about this stuff because it's such, such a big part of my day. And real Python actually used to be hosted on, on PHP for a while. And uh, okay. I think it was always like, uh, or and then it sort of became like a static, uh, uh, static site, so just static HTML. But there were some bits and pieces that were actually powered by PHP. And this is way back when, like before, before I um, took over the site and stuff. One of the first things I did when, when we relaunched it, you know, at the the end of 2017, start of 2018, was I want this thing to be actually be running on Python. You know, it can't we can't can't like <laughs> make the build like the Python learning resource, and, and we cannot host it on PHP. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you know, it was a couple of like you know months of me basically working just having uh netflix open with uh, star trek tng on endless loop and, and hacking away django code and, and relaunching the site as uh, as a django app uh built on python 3 you know with uh, postgres and uh, redis as the back-end services so postgres as the database and then redis for for caching and sort of ephemeral data storage and but, but back then like the search didn't really it, it didn't really exist, I don't think, in the first uh, iteration. But uh, if if we're talking specifically about like the search feature, that's built on Postgres full text search, which is okay. Cool. I mean, Postgres is just a fantastic database. I mean, I'm, I'm just so grateful for you know all the open source folks who are making this this project uh, work and, and can you continue to improve it because it is really amazing. I mean, I think it's wonderful what what we're able to achieve with you know uh, quite a small team. And we, we don't have to worry about, you know, pulling in like Elasticsearch or other, or other sort of infrastructure. We can do all of this stuff out of Postgres and with pretty good performance. So yeah, Postgres is just, is just amazing. Don't waste your time configuring your IDE for your Python project. Get everything out of the box. With PyCharm Pro, you get expert Python assistance, including smart refactorings, code completion, and an integrated debugger. Web development support for popular frameworks, such as Django and Flask. Get your project up and running with three free months of PyCharm Professional Edition. Click on the PyCharm banner in the episode description, and make sure to use the RealPython coupon code at checkout. That's RealPython, all caps, no spaces. The offer ends April 30th. Moving beyond search a bit, what were some of the things you had to do to like implement bookmarks and and such within articles themselves? Yeah, I mean for this stuff, it, um, it was one of the easier parts. Like this, it's basically a little bit of UI. So you know you need a button for it, and then we wanted to have that button in, in several places. So you need to like synchronize that in in the UI. Like when I click the bookmark button here, you know it should mark the other stuff as bookmarked as well. The tricky bits are um, not not really tricky, but you know one of the things is like we have. We have quite a bit of traffic, and the uh, a big part of our like well infrastructure, you know, the the, the content management system behind RealPython.com uh, 
I, I want to make sure it's, it's fast and it's a good experience for people. And so it is, and, and on the other hand, you know, I also want it to be uh, quite maintainable with a small team. So it is not uh, in many ways like using, especially on the front end, like, you know, the latest and greatest uh, t- technology there. Like it's still primarily built around sort of static pages, you know, standard Django views, um, which has like uh, SEO benefits too. So one tricky bit there was kind of, you know, figuring out how to do this in a way that wouldn't require like us fundamentally rewriting how the site like renders content. But I, I view as all the JavaScript bits, I, I view them more as like incremental improvements, right? You should have a pretty great experience even with JavaScript uh, disabled on the site. And I think you can get that today. I, I view things like the bookmarks and that stuff more more as an add-on instead of it being like, like a, a, a part that where, where the whole site is built around that concept. Like I'm talking about like single page applications, for example, where basically your, your, your browser, uh, your backend only provides a, um, like an API. And then the front end is, is just purely done in JavaScript and it, fit, it fetches all the content, renders it, displays it. And if you don't, if your browser can't execute that JavaScript, there's just, there's just nothing that you see. It's just an empty page. And that, that approach makes like some things quite a bit easier and other things harder. And so for us, like I always was kind of leaning more towards the, um, you know, classic Django approach and then with incremental improvements on top. And we've kind of strayed away from that a little bit. So the search interface, for example, is a Vue.js um, application or Vue.js like view that that is rendered entirely like client side. Okay. But then for the bookmarks, it is it gets rendered in in Django in a, in a template, and then we sort of uh, activate it with JavaScript. Like there's a bit of JavaScript that hooks up all the events and stuff, and it keeps it synchronized. Synchronized, so so pretty straightforward. And then there's a, there's an API that we have on the back end uh, that will then you know store that state change. So if you click the bookmark button, then you know we're gonna we're gonna save that bookmark for you and then surface it in other places. And so the the trickiness really comes more from uh, exposing that information in other places on the site. So yeah. uh, for example, in the search, right? So so then you want to be able to say, okay, well, I'm searching for let's say I read this Django article, I bookmarked it. Now I'm searching for Django related stuff, and I want to see that bookmark icon in the results there, uh, and I want to be able to filter on that. So all of a sudden, that means. Everybody gets different search results, which because they're personalized now. And so that means, you know, previously we had the assumption, okay, everybody's getting the same results. It just depends on the keywords. So you can cache everything 100% on the keywords. And in our case, we were actually caching uh, that, like it was multi-layer caching, but we were caching that on the CDN uh, edge. So what that means is uh, you know, we use a content delivery network that serves all the static assets, like images and stuff. You kind of want, want to do that as close as possible to where your, your users access the site from. So that means, you know, you want that stuff cached somewhere in Europe, you want to cache, cache it somewhere in, in uh, you know, on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and other places of the world. And that's what a content delivery network does. And we're using Cloudflare for that. And one of the nice things with the old search approach was we were able to just cache the search results on that CDN edge, you know, on that CDN server as well. So meaning this, the results were like super fast, because if somebody had searched for Django before you, then it would just, you know, load up instantly. I got those results right here. <laughs> here they go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and now, and everybody would get the same results. And now that that's not true anymore. Like it needs to be personalized. And so, and kind of coming back, you know, to some of the stuff I, I touched on earlier, it's, I wanted to be able to do that without um, really like massively complicating our infrastructure yeah. because it is, you know, a small dev team. I mean, 
of size one, basically. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. <laughs> and you're talking to it right now. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, we have other internal tools and stuff, you know, where, where more people are in, involved. But for, for the CMS, like, it's 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 mostly me. And so I didn't want to, you know, bring in a bunch of stuff where, where I had to spend then a lot of time, like, uh, understanding how to run it, like Elasticsearch and hosting that or managing that or, or paying for someone else to manage it. So those were some of the constraints, I think, that made this made this made this tricky for me because I wanted to make sure you know it's fast, uh, it's accurate, and the other constraint was I would like to not like massively increase our our infrastructure costs both in, both in like maintenance and you know, like actual like you know cost. Yeah, I think it's it's worked out quite well. We're still able to cache like most of that stuff, and then we're augmenting it. So it's basically like a multi-layered process where you know we have we're fetching all the results, and then we augment it, kind of merge your your personal um, like progress data into it. And then that's what we serve back to you as the, the user, and you can uh, you can see that. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Some of the layers. Yeah, it's all it's all these little <laughs> things, man. Like it's the uh, yeah, where it's like should be so straightforward, but then there is a bunch of moving parts, and especially making it making it you know fast. Like I didn't want people to wait a long time. Yeah, the performance part, right? Yeah, yeah. So then the other thing you 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 kind of were able to do in the redesign is sort of surface this whole area that says explore real Python. And, you know, some of this is things that are new this year, which is super cool. I mean, the podcast being a tile that's on there and then David Amos, you know, taking on the office hours thing, which Mm -hmm. we've talked about briefly on the podcast, but haven't really delved too deep into that. But that's been a whole big uh, upgrade. And that'll be, I don't know, I guess what in the summer, it'll be a year for that. So it's coming up pretty quick, too. Yeah, that's been a wonderful thing. You know, the the office hours for for those listeners who don't know uh, are, are like uh, weekly Q and A calls with David from the the Real Python team, where people can bring their the questions and uh, or just you know watch it uh, as, as sort of like a lecture. I think I think that's been a wonderful add on. Like I'm 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 super super excited about like the the community features that we've added to real python and i would count the podcast to that as well you know i i love like listening to the show and i I'm, usually i get like a sneak peek and we, we talk about like titles and stuff right yeah and i i, I think it's it, it fits that that uh fits right in into that area where it's like yeah you know it's not just it's not it's not just the learning content but it's also kind of getting a different perspective how real people use this stuff and being able to ask questions in our community chat and, and whatnot and so well one piece of feedback uh, you know going back to all the way when we started when we started talking about this like how how do we decide you know what to what to change what to improve what to work on yeah i mean that was a big uh, another big item on that list where I might have even been on on office hours where uh, you know David was showing some uh, like an interactive quiz or something, and and somebody was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" You know, I didn't I didn't realize like this was on the site, and uh, I mean it is in in the navigation menu there, but it's in a drop down, right. and so that immediately like made me think like, man, like this is just not it's just not visible enough, and I get it, you know, I. I, I get it. Like if you're browsing the site on mobile, uh, on your phone or something, maybe it's not, you know, have it's not the, the biggest screen or, or something like that. This stuff is like one or two clicks away. And it's not, we, I mean, we have an onboarding course, like a welcoming, welcome course that where, where I walk you through the whole site as a new learner and, and explain this to you. But, you know, I get it. Like people skip that and, and, and not everybody watches it. And, and I want to make sure just it's easier for for people to to really see what's what's in store, you know, when they have when they when they use realpython.com. And so again, kind of sticking to this this Netflix like theme, which I mean, A, like I'm watching a lot of Netflix right now because it's, <laughs> it's still the pandemic and you know, we're just right, exactly. uh, at home a lot. 
But one of the things I think they, they do really well is, well, you're going to, to the site or you pull up the app and they show you exactly like, hey, you know, here's, you can continue watching this thing. You're probably going to like it. Um, and here's all this other stuff that we have for you, you know, these like different types of shows and whatnot. And in our case, I think it's a bit more complicated uh, because it's not just all um, like like video uh, content. But we, yeah, I felt like we really, really wanted, we really needed to just directly show you okay, you know, there's learning paths and there's quizzes and there's the podcast and there's office hours and there's this other thing. And here's, you know, the the books right. that, that we've published. And this was all on there, but it was also kind of hidden away. And this new front page design now has these sections and it will be very easy for us to add more sections in the future. And one of those sections is the Explore Real Python section where it basically like highlights all the different areas in, in, in these tiles, you know, and then points out, okay, well, here's the podcast. Why is the podcast good for you? Because you can hear about, you know, all the wonderful new things in the world of Python, how, how a quiz is going to help you and, and all these other things. And I, I think that's been like a really positive change, uh, especially for new learners and uh, new, new people using the site. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, it's, it's the, the discovery part of it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I feel like the drop-down menu thing is just such a, I don't know. It's like a barrier, especially mobile wise yep. for, for a lot of people, but just in general, like having the stuff in front of you is really going to make it easier. I mean, you think about, you go back to your example of like a streaming service, you know, how people are going to go to a drop down menu of something like that when there's all these other things that are on tiles right in front of them. And they've kind of, I don't know, been indoctrinated <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that methodology of like just, you know, infinite scrolling through stuff or having potentially a menu. And so I, I, I like that. You know, I think that's really helpful um, having these things kind of like, you know, pop up on the surface. And then it's really well combined into the search area too with it being a whole section of, about exploration. Yeah, 100%. Like you, you're absolutely right about the, you know, we, we could, I don't know, like I, I could like argue all, all I want for like, oh, but it should be obvious, right? It's there, like there's a drop-down menu. But right. the reality is just, you know, it's not the reality is whatever users <laughs> use <laughs> want to see and want to use right and right. so it doesn't make sense to to fight against that and i, I don't know you know some, somebody listening to this might might think like oh you know none of this is like rocket science like this should be obvious but i and, and i would i would agree with that to a certain degree but it is really quite interesting you know where a lot of plans or a lot of like things that we've tried on the platform, especially in the past, it is just so interesting how, you know, when, when really, when things go live, like the rubber hits the road, you know, and then to get that real user feedback, which again, like another community thing, you know, we have this, the real Python community, um, uh, Slack, or it's, it's a chat based on, on Slack. And I, I usually like give people uh, a way to to um, get like have early access to some of these new features. So we we set up like a feature flag, and then uh, people can preview that those kinds of changes, and we can get some early feedback on that stuff without rolling it out to everyone. And so you know it can be sometimes be a bit like half finished stuff, or maybe something that works, but it's not like super performant. Which with most of these changes that we talked about, like actually the performance part is taking the most time. Like it's not that hard to get, you know, the data and make sure, okay, here's like the list of things you should continue. Mm. But then what's what's more difficult is like, you know, we have 3 million readers a month and not, I mean, not all of them are signed into the site. Like most of them aren't, but um, the, it, it, you know, 
we, we want to be able to run this on like a small team. So that means we don't want to have huge infrastructure. We don't ha- want to have huge infrastructure costs. And then being able to to kind of optimize that stuff and, and, and make it happen so that it's it's good and quick experience. It was really a key thing because initially I was thinking about kind of hosting real Python on uh, on WordPress and then with a bunch of plugins. And I kind of sort of had a setup, you know, that I liked. Um, so again, this is, this is like a couple of years ago. But then I I just felt like, there are certain things that I'm just not happy with performance-wise and I have no freaking clue how to optimize it. And now it's a Django app. You know, it's my bread and butter. It's, it's all done in Python. I enjoy working with it. And, and we can really tune it and make sure the things that the features we want to make available are fast and convenient and exactly um, the, the way we want them. So if a person is, you know, say an irregular user, of real Python mm-hmm. and they don't, they don't have uh, an account per se. Cause I know that there's, you know, our membership, which gets you into the video courses and, and into the community chat and some of the other things that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wants to take advantage of just some of these features of just like really sort of just keeping track of their progress on, on so forth, what's involved in that? Do they just need to like sign up for, um, sign up for the newsletter or something like that? How does it work? Yeah, so um, it's actually just tied to a free account. So you just need to the first time you try one of the, try using one of these features, yeah, will prompt you to either log in or create a new account. It's completely free. Uh, you can use GitHub login, so it's literally you know one click away and like another confirmation then, and uh, or you can use uh, email and password, and um, that's about it for for these new features. So the the both the new search features and also like the article completion that stuff, it's it's currently not gated in any way like behind a, a paywall or anything like that. Yeah, I mean one of the one of the things I I like about what we're doing is that we can, you know, make a lot of the learning materials available for for free or you know have them be ad supported, especially in places where uh, you know like the cost might be prohibitive. Yeah, I I want to keep it like that as as, as much as we can. There, I think there's always kind of like some thoughts around like uh, are people going to uh, you know abuse that sort of thing or you know anytime you make some kind of API available uh, is is somebody going to going to uh, do something mischievous with that but um for now you know I'm, i, I want to keep this open and yeah so if you know if, if listeners want to try it just go to realpython.com you won't see these like new sections and the explore section yet although that might you know happen that's going to happen pretty soon so depending on when you're listening like you might already see it and you you'll be wondering like what the heck i'm talking about <laughs> but yeah basically you need to make an account uh, just click on the, the sign in button or click on any of the bookmark buttons on on articles and uh, it'll prompt you to make an account and then yeah you get access to all these features or if if you're in a search and you start filtering by something that requires personalization, uh, it will also prompt you to to log in or make an account. Yeah, so pretty quickly they're already into it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to make it, you know, easy to to use these things and uh, just have like a super low barrier to entry there. And yeah, one of the next things we need to do is to roll out the front page, even like to all users, like even if you're not signed into an account, you're just like a regular reader. And then obviously, you know, it's another conversation around, okay, what are some of the empty states for these things? So for example, well, we can't show you any bookmarks. Uh, Another section we have on there. So bookmarks is one. Another section is review what you've learned, which will try and, and intelligently resurface stuff that you've recently completed. So for me, you know, it's, it's showing me like, oh, there's the Python module course, you know, maybe it's time to review this because it's something that I marked as complete and it's been a while since I looked at it. And so now the system says like, hey, you should probably 
you know, if you want to refresh your memory, now would be a good time. And so again, you know, we can't really do that if you're not if you're not logged in. You don't have any of that history with RealPython. And so uh, that's that's a bit tricky. But I think certainly stuff like the, um, the Explore RealPython section would be great for for people to be able to see that even if they're if they're not logged in. Maybe some like you know what's popular right now or, or something like that. I think could be interesting. Yeah, that's something we're we're going to build out over time, and then bring in other st- stuff as well, like other types of content, like the quizzes. I think it'd be wonderful for people to go in and and be able to compare like how their quiz scores improve over time. And and yeah, that sort of thing. So we've got like a really really good foundation now, and we're going to continue building on top of it. This week, the spotlight is a bit different. I want to let you know that the Python Basics book is now available as a paperback book. The book has been written by frequent guest David Amos, along with previous guest Joanna Jablonski, and this week's guest Dan Bader, along with help from the RealPython tutorial team. We had a detailed discussion about the book back in episode 32 with David Amos, so you can check out some of it there. Let me give you some of the details. There's an overwhelming amount of information about Python on the internet. But for many beginners who are studying on their own, the lack of structure for what you should learn and in what order is missing. Here are some of the highlights and features of the book. It covers each concept and language feature in a logical order, has a simple to follow step-by-step roadmap to develop foundational skills. Each step in this complete beginner's curriculum is explained and illustrated with short and clear code samples. It includes coding exercises within each chapter and interactive quizzes to help fast-track your progress and to ensure you always know what to focus on next. If you already have some prior coding experience, even better. You'll be able to move that much quicker and get a crash course that brings you up to speed with modern Python programming. Get RealPython's practical introduction to Python 3.9 that jumps right into the meat and potatoes without sacrificing substance. Become fluent in Python and gain programming knowledge you can apply in the real world today. The physical paperback book is available on Amazon, or you can find out more about it and how to order your copy at pythonbasicsbook.com. That's no spaces, pythonbasicsbook.com. One of the things that that you have in there is the, the progress. And I was wondering about like what it took to implement that. What are some of those changes that you had to make, I guess, maybe even infrastructure wise? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it what it took to to uh, to get started on it, it was like a lot of complaining, <laughs> basically, like feedback. <laughs> and okay. there was one thing that that stood out there. Um, I mean, I'm joking about the complaining, but you know, I I love like hearing feedback like that, like whether that's on Twitter or email or or in our like uh, in, internal communities uh, stuff. But uh, there was one request. So we have this feature now. It's called Real Python for Teams, which is basically online Python training for teams. It's just like our membership, our individual membership or subscription access to all of the learning content on RealPython, but it is tied to a single billing account. So company XYZ can go in and they can can purchase like 10, 20 seats of this and then invite their whole team, just send them a, a link. Everybody can join the group and then they can go and and uh, learn stuff on RealPython and access all of the content, access all of the community features, all the Q&A stuff, uh, everything. Uh, just like in the regular membership, but it's all built through a company account and there's a central like dashboard where uh, you can have like a company admin that can add, remove people and uh, kind of change their permission levels and whatnot. And so there's been more and more demand for that and more and more interest in that. And what's come up more recently there was a request around audits. Some countries give away uh, like credits for 
for for training. So companies can get reimbursed to get like a tax credit if they provide certain certain types of training in, in certain industries. And this one company, they they said they needed some kind of report that showed, you know, well, we actually spent the money on this training thing. And here's, here's proof that our people are actually using it, right? And so I was like, hmm, okay, so, well, I'm, I'm going to do like quickly get, resolve that by by hacking something together and just, you know, kind of pulling out some report into into uh, like Google Sheets or whatever that I can share. But really what we need longer term is for this to be integrated into the team dashboard that we already have. And so the nice thing about like all of this progress stuff is now as a team admin, you can generate an audit report or analytics report that gives you a breakdown of like, okay, you know, your entire team has viewed like, you know, 700 hours of training. This is broken down into like, you know, this and that many articles viewed and this and that many um, like course lesson viewed. And they've like completed specifically these things. And it's all, you know, you can print out pages and pages of this stuff and then just just fly through that audit. And this, you know, certain certain stats are interesting, I think, also just purely from like, hey, you were paying for this thing. This is actually helping our, our people. Are they using it? So that's one thing. But then, um, you know, the big other part that I didn't really realize or, or appreciate before is, is this, these audit requirements around, around training. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I've seen other services be like that. And you're not understanding like, okay, well, who's watched what or and so forth. But that seems like to be a common uh, request that, you know, I, I see, especially inside of a, a larger organizations, and then it's nice that you can kind of have that for you know users in general. Like you can kind of reuse a lot of the infrastructure, so you can kind of track like, okay, well, this is what you've watched so far, and and you can use it for the review what you've learned and these other kinds of features. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you know for individual users, it's, it's maybe like less interesting to just say like, oh, you know, you spent like this many hours on the site. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like we can we can use that then in, in other like presented in, in more useful ways, right? We can say like, oh, you know, well, you, maybe in the future we could say, okay, well, you spent quite a bit of time on this particular article, but you haven't completed it yet. So maybe that's something we should kind of nudge you about. Right. Or uh, that could be a signal at some point in the future. We could say, okay, well, clearly you're like super interested in this topic. So check out these other these other things, right? Um, or we've just pu- published something that's related to that. Like, hey, you know, here's a podcast episode on this thing, uh, whatever Django views or, you know, uh, some some like data science topic. And and we could just immediately like tell you about it. And when you go back to the site and, and surface that and, and suggest it to you. And I think, I think that'd be pretty cool. I do have some concerns uh, around, you know, how do we do that without it being like with it actually being useful, right? I think that's always a big question because I think well we have a real responsibility to 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 help people learn this stuff, right? Like that's ultimately the goal. Like I don't care as much about okay how much time do people spend on the site or like how much like it's not even a metric that we really like surface or track anywhere, um, but it's more for me it's more about like hey I want to hear from people that they you know they've gotten something out of the the tutorials that we create, you know, where somebody can say like, Hey, I I got this job or I built this thing, or I, you know, I don't know, I built this like home automation thing, or I helped my kid, like, you know, script their Minecraft stuff or something like that. And so, uh, it's, it's always a balance, you know, being able to do this without, uh, it just being like, like fluff, fluffy stuff on top that doesn't really add to the experience. And, but I think we're going to be able to do some, some cool, cool new features kind of based around uh, the the stuff we already have. Uh, certainly that one one would be being able to continue down a learning path and kind of subscribing to a learning path or following a learning path. And then you can say, all right, you know, so this is going to be like 
a four week project or whatever. And now you've completed like these things. So now it's time to start with the next thing. And, uh, but that's all like human curated, right? Uh, which again is a difference. I think how we're approaching things at real Python is like, it's, it's not based on, on, on like recommendation systems, but the learning paths are set up by, by a team and we're trying to, you know, we're setting them up so that can actually put stuff into sequence for you. Right. And it's not just like, <laughs> oh, here's some stuff that has the same keyword, yeah. uh, whatever, you know, go figure it out. Right. So that, that's kind of the philosophy behind it. And so we, we want to see like where, you know, where, where does it, where does, where does the technology, technology support like um, really, really fit in uh, the best there. Yeah. Cool. So there's been a lot of other additional changes this last year in the video courses. You know, we had Sadie come on and talk about uh, her work on creating the transcripts and the closed captions. Yeah. And at this point, I think we're done. Like as far as like the entire back catalog of all the video courses that we have all the captions uh, completed. I don't know she was doing final review of some of the transcripts, but yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's just wonderful, you know. Like huge shout out to to Sadie and, and you, Chris, like for for making that happen. I mean that was that was uh, I think that's such a great um, accessibility step forward for us there. You know, where we have we have subtitles for for everything now, and and then also for 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 content discoverability. Yeah, so search. again, you know, coming back to the search <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah the, all the the subtitles are indexed, and so. You know, if I if I search for a certain keyword or Django views again or whatever, it's gonna it's gonna surface me lessons that that mention this uh, based on the transcripts. And then when I click on on that, uh, you know, I can see as I'm playing the video on the on the on the video uh, like on the lesson page, uh, it's actually like highlighting me where I am in the transcript, and I, so I can quickly jump to that part of the video. And yeah, I think I think that's huge. So handy. Yeah. I love that navigation is so so much easier. <laughs> yeah, it's great to navigate that way. You know, we started this podcast a year ago. We started the office hours. And then this is kind of a multi-year process, but it looks like it's coming to fruition here in 2021. But the the couple of books, Python Basics, which David Amos was on to talk about, mm-hmm. um, we're looking at the print version of that soon. And then um, I don't know if you give you updates on the other one. C Python Internals. Yeah, with a- Anthony Shaw's book. Yeah, the C Python Internals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you can't see it right now, but I actually have to test print for for Anthony's <laughs> book uh, right in front of me. Nice. So so yeah, basically I've got great news. So uh, with Python Python Basics, and uh, we're we're gonna launch it really soon in the paperback version. So depending on when this podcast comes out, maybe it's already out, and I think we'll we'll add a note uh, to to the show notes then. But with C Python in turn, so Python Basics is done. You know, we just gotta gotta launch it. Paperback looks wonderful. Like I'm so happy. You know, with with the team, uh, everything that that we've uh, put together there it's been this like incredibly long and arduous process and uh you know we had like a really long early access phase uh did lots of rewriting based on on reader feedback and the end result is just absolutely awesome like i can't can't wait to get the paperback you know out out in people's hands and the same for c python internals i mean it, it especially two books next to each other look wonderful with the custom artwork and everything <laughs> that that we have for them yeah, i like aldrin's work on that one especially <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're trying to establish like a bit of a color theme too so we can say like okay you know maybe this is more like a beginner's book maybe this is more like an advanced level book and okay i don't know just, just really pleased with with how, how it turned out and c python internals is yeah we're, we're doing like the 
to review or kind of like QA on the paperback version. And again, you know, I, I think it looks wonderful. Anthony did, just did a fantastic job kind of presenting the, the information there. And uh, I, I think it's a one of a kind book, really, you know, uh, it's it's uh, the subtitle is your guide to the Python three interpreter, and it breaks down um, you know how how C Python or Python works at the interpreter level, and uh, also helps people contribute back to the project and understand like how all the different pieces fit together. And it's it's just really great. So to answer the question, <laughs> we we're gonna you know need a little bit more time to re- review the paperback make sure it's it's ready for uh for release but then it it should also be available pretty soon like i would i would say like you know on, on the order of weeks okay yeah so it's it's not going to take very long and i think that's going to be great too yeah i'm excited about that definitely as a person who's kind of newer to python i've been reluctant to dive into the c portion <laughs> you know and and think about the internals of python but and the podcast has been my chance to explore that more and more, talking to not only like data science people and them talking about different ways of implementing like, you know, different C structures and things like that to kind of, you know, speed up certain things that they're working on. But that conversation I had with Brett Cannon about, the you know, his sort of deep dive and trying to unravel it started to make it feel like, oh, okay, I, I can, <laughs> I should be able to dive into this and, and be able to, you know, navigate through what's happening as far as the, the the different structures and so forth. So I feel a lot less nervous about it. I mean, it's definitely more of, of a you know intermediate to advanced topic, but mm-hmm. I'm feeling more and more confident all the time within with my time in it. And you know, definitely having talked to to Anthony before, you know, I can definitely see where he's kind of coming from as a as a as a teacher. I hope to have him on the show again about it. I, I think that we should uh, work toward that soon with the podcast with the the release that'd be great yeah yeah definitely i mean that's that'd be a great way to to celebrate the release and and uh yeah i, I would agree you know like this stuff is so so fascinating because you you can kind of push it all away for a really long time like when you know i usually don't think about these things when i'm working in, in python code and you're kind of in that universe but then yeah. every once in a while it's like well we kind of good to know how the garbage collection stuff works or um you know how some of these like parsing things work yeah just anthony's really done like a stellar job on on this and just really you know broken it down into into actionable little things like he basically shows you as part of the book like he shows you how to how to make changes to the the python syntax and add like new operators and stuff so things you can't do from within python code directly but you have to go through um you know modifying the actual like inter- interpreter c uh, c code it's it's just super cool because you know it gets gets you to do stuff like right right away and you're actually like making practical changes. Yeah, I I think this is super nice. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, so here's my chance to finally ask Dan Bader himself my weekly questions. So, uh what are you excited about in the world of Python? What am I excited about? Um I am really excited about the kind of the forward progress. Uh, it's been, you know, there's just been like many changes recently, um, yeah. or not so recently in like leadership and stuff and a lot of like change around uh, basically when, when Guido stepped down from BDFL, you know, I mean, he's still, yeah, yeah he's still like the dictator for life, <laughs> but uh, yeah. ben- benevolent dictator. But, uh, you know, there's been like quite, quite a change there. And, and with these things, I mean, you know, you're, you're never sure how they're going to work out, you know, and uh, it's been great to see um, just 
how strong the language is, how strong like the core dev team is, and just yeah, that they've been able to release new stuff nonstop. You know, seeing a lot of like uh, changes and improvements to the language that you know we can argue about whether or not everybody likes them. You know, I'm thinking about like, well, you know back when that happened like the walrus operator stuff right. um or and now like most recently the the match case uh, construct but um i'm generally like really excited about that and i think it it shows that there's so much strength behind python and the community and so much interest in like improving the language and um i mean also experimenting with it to a certain degree right and i think uh, i think that's just huge news and, and i think it's also going to mean that more and more people are going to use um python for various things which i think is is great too i mean you know it's obviously like great for real python as well but just from a perspective of like you know more people are gonna be in touch with this wonderful language and and you know hopefully develop a passion for programming through it and i i think that's just that's just super cool and you know all these like positive like all these all this movement that we've seen like it, it really encourages me and makes me think um you know it's it's not resting yeah. <laughs> like no, it's, no, it's, it's definitely moving, isn't. moving forward yeah full steam ahead yeah i was um watching the pi cascades talks and they had um the kind of core developer team you know a handful of them along with guido mm-hmm. uh, talk about the types of progress that they were able to make and what it was like you know to do that over the last year with you know all the constraints <laughs> with not being able to meet in person and, and so forth and it was a very interesting conversation and you know th- they're definitely all there and passionate to, to keep going and you know, as I get closer over this last year to, you know, members and different points inside the community and feeling more and more like a member myself, which has been cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's just neat and it's very vibrant and very alive. And I mean, yes, there's lots of, you know, <laughs> let's just call it conversation. Um, but I think in the last several months, I've seen more and more consensus and i'm starting to understand the pep process a little better mm-hmm. and there's a lot you know there's a lot going on but but i i don't you know i feel like all of it's coming from a place of you know good faith and and wanting to to expand the language in in positive ways and and not break people's stuff and and uh, just allow for newer and more interesting uses and that's one of the things i definitely would i'd like to talk to guido about is like you know his the whole change to the peg parser and that kind of stuff and what kind of changes that allows. And I think that stuff would be interesting to talk about too. That'd be super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be amazing to, to have him uh, on the show. I mean, definitely an interview that, <laughs> that I'd be very much looking forward yeah, totally. to. And, uh, and yeah, and, you know, also kind of, uh, being, being more in touch, I guess, with the, what, what's happening there, uh, in, in the like language design process and, and, um, you know, because I've been running real Python for a couple of years now and just really, well, just, you know, being aware of everything that's happening really. Right. And then just, it's, I mean, that's just my day job, you know, it's a big, yeah. it's a passion, but it's also like what I do for, for work. And so, um, it, just you know the the amount of like responsibility and stuff that's resting on the, like the dev team's shoulders or some of the more like prominent folks there is just uh i mean yeah it's incredible and then also with any change you make you know uh, i think there's always like a percentage of people are really unhappy with it whatever it is and so to also have like just being having to absorb that to a certain degree um i mean it's it can it can be tough and uh 
it's it's been so cool to see you know that that that's that's not stopping anybody and there's there's um yeah still a lot of interest in, in like in the language and improving it and making it better and, and trying out things and all of them not all of them are going to work but some of them will probably work out really great so i don't know i'm just really excited about yeah. you know, the, the stuff that's happening there can't wait to to play with that myself yeah totally so what do you want to learn next what do i want to learn next i think i want to become a better manager i i think that's what I'm, you know, it's not exactly like programming related, but when I look at what I, <laughs> you know, what I, yeah, what I, what I do sort of day to day, I think there's just lots I have to learn in terms of, you know, building real Python, the, the company and, and, and the team around it. And I think we're also at a point now where, you know, there's, there's a bigger return on that investment rather than like trying to maximize my time coding or like squeeze out some more you know improvements and it's it's really something i'm struggling with like finding a balance but yeah that's i don't know that's the that's the honest answer like i'm i i just feel like yeah i just feel like that's that's an area i want to work on um you know in the, the next year or so and have you found good resources um have i found good resources yeah i mean there's there's all kinds of of books out there and um i uh, it's it's it can be hard sometimes to find good resources that are kind of more focused on um, the type of like remote team right. that that we are because many things don't um i mean maybe it's less so about like purely management uh, but more like company building and, and and building uh teams and also making sure kind of we're not you know uh we're having like processes and stuff but we have the right amount of them and we have have them set up in a way where it actually like helps us achieve our goals and not like detracts us from that because i guess you know we've all been exposed to well i'm speaking for myself here like you know certainly been exposed to that in, in other jobs and stuff where it just felt like okay you know this is not helping anybody but if, right. if you want me to do it i'll do it right and so i'm sort of terrified of creating that in 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 my own company although i probably already have done that um, i'm not gonna ask you now <laughs> and so uh <laughs> So, so anyway, to, to, to recommend a book, like I, I found, so we use Basecamp internally, which is uh, sort of like a Slack, um, like tool, but it's not really Slack. It's more like a forum. And I like that because Slack is very sort of real time focused, which is good for some things like the community chat that we have, but for like internal team communication across time zones and whatnot, I, I don't want to create a lot of distractions for everybody. So we're using Basecamp, which is a bit more focused on like longer form writing uh and, and sort of more like forum based and it has like a to-do list and but it also has a chat in it but it kind of de-emphasizes it a little bit and you know automatically like disables it on the weekends and whatnot and so the company that makes it is, is called Basecamp. they used to be called uh, 37 signals and they've uh the the, the founders there wrote uh, a couple like a series of books on remote work and i think they most recently also published another one and i can pretty pretty much recommend all of them and uh, because they've they've been at this for a while, and it's become so relevant, you know, for for a lot of companies now with uh, with COVID. And so um, I don't want to pick out like any specific one, but um, yeah, basically look for um, uh, the, for Jason Freed. That's one of the founders, and uh, the company's called Basecamp. And then you'll be able to find the 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 books. And yeah, I would probably recommend all of those. I've found them incredibly helpful. Uh, very opinionated, but I think I think that can be good, uh, just to kind of you know take in someone else's system and then look at you know right what makes sense and what are some what's working for them could maybe work for us as well. And so yeah, I think I think that's a big big theme for me right now. 
Cool. All right. So this is one I, I thought about reworking. Um, <laughs> the, the question is, what is something you thought you knew about Python, but you were wrong about it? <laughs> and then I thought about rewording it somewhat. What is something you thought you knew about real Python, but were wrong about? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So you can answer yeah. one or both. <laughs> either, either way. I mean, I, I think for, for Python, I could probably just, you know, give, give like a meta answer sure. where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I've, you know, th- there's always new, new stuff uh, to learn. Like I, I jump into our, like, commu- when people ask like questions in the, in the community chat there quite a bit and, and try to answer questions or if I have just, you know, something uh, gives me a spark and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done this before. Like here, here, here's the answer. Like, here's how, how I would do it. And um, it, it kind of blows my mind, you know, what, what people are surfacing, like even in, in, in things that I feel like I've already worked with before, but there's always someone who can like write a, another like iter tools based thing that transforms some kind of generator expression and whatnot. And uh, I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is just <laughs> yeah. super interesting. Uh, I wish I had like a more, more concrete example, but yeah, that's, that's going to be my answer for that. And then, okay. What I, what I learned for, what I something I, I learned about real Python is I would say just, uh, so one of the things I set up uh, and you've, you've seen this, Chris, like, so we have, uh, we have this kind of survey that runs on the site that asks people like randomly, you know, pick samples, some like, a uh, like a percentage of, of of people are visiting the site yeah. and just asks them like, hey, you know, would you recommend the site to to your to your uh, to friends and colleagues? And then give us a rating from between one and ten. So it's called an NPS score, and there's like a whole methodology around yeah. it. But basically, what it is, it gives you sort of an idea of like, hey, are we sort of trending up or down? Are we about the same? Is there did we maybe make a change that's really bad and it's upsetting a lot of people or something that's really good? And just like a general like. How, how are we doing there? And um, I, I hooked this up the other day to our base camp. And so there's a bot now that posts this into our community um, like area on Basecamp. And uh, a lot of times like people add type in like a comment with their with their with their rating as well. Right. It, it was like this outpouring of love because uh, it's uh, generally we get like really good scores. And then the the when people leave a comment, I think they're generally like sort of more leaning towards like being, it being a positive rating so that definitely like biases a, a bit and that's what the bot actually shares like it's just sharing any comments of comment that people post and uh man like it's just been so cool that uh you know almost every single day there's like uh, a little note there and yeah yeah i don't know it just it just kind of warms my heart and it's so hard sometimes to see that because obviously the surface that that uh, the surface the the feedback that surfaces is many times like when somebody's unhappy or something's going wrong or you know we had like um some like infrastructure hiccup the other day where like uh, a vendor that we were using uh was was down for a while so emails weren't delivered and so people were waiting you know for some stuff that they had requested from the site and and uh, or like a password reset or something like that and then you know when that happens like it's immediately like hey you know this doesn't work right, like, right. what is this like it's really frustrating <laughs> and it, I, I get it you know it is frustrating it sucks like i hate it out of all people you know, I, I hate it the most when that when that happens and then hooking up this feed and then like you know waking up in the morning and, and, and checking it and just seeing kind of the the positivity that that comes from that uh is just yeah is just good super thing. cool yeah yeah, yeah. just to, as a note I encourage people to to write reviews for the podcast too i i really love that feedback too so Definitely, yeah. I mean, we have a feed for that as well, yeah. right? Like in 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 our uh, like uh, it's called Chartable, yeah. and so they pull out that stuff. They too pull and, the stuff and off of uh, iTunes, it. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, 
and occasionally I've you know thrown out a request for it. But uh, but yeah, it's good to know. And we also have a thing on the site for questions podcast at realpython.com. You can send us uh, questions or or topic ideas, things that you're interested in. I'm definitely compiling a lot of that and setting up lots of new guests. So uh, keep that stuff coming. Yeah. Yeah. Did we ever get another uh, like voicemail? Like we, we've got this thing set up. We haven't gotten any voicemails in a while. So yeah, I'd say from yeah. this almost the summer. So there, there we still have that on. <laughs> yeah. <I think laughs> but you can leave a voicemail and... Um, you know, long-time listeners might remember a few of those. Let's see if we get get some voicemails. Yeah, please. Um, I like those <laughs> after, after this. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think that's another you know another one of these things where we're like, yeah, this seemed like such a cool idea. I mean, certainly I was like, yeah, people are going to want to do this, right? This. Like, this is going to be so amazing, right? And we signed up for this thing, and like, it works. We tested it a bunch and everything. Yeah. But then, really, when you look at it, it's just not maybe like a a, a, a way that people want to engage with the show. Right? Well, we have so. a lot of new listeners, so maybe people just don't know. So hopefully, they can. They can find these things. And again, you can just go to realpython.com slash podcast and you can see all this stuff, you know, along with the all the <laughs> the feeds and you can follow us on all these different ways uh, to check out the show. Been kind of amazed by, you know, the amount of listeners inside of uh, Spotify and inside of YouTube. I didn't think those platforms would be as, uh, as large as they are, but they're definitely um, large and growing, so... Yeah, I mean it's 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 been amazing. Like I yeah, again, you know, I think I think you've done such a fantastic job like also bringing the podcast to to YouTube and I know like initially, you know, we weren't so sure yeah. should we keep that up? Is that really a place where people want to listen to podcasts? But um I think there is like a decent decent chunk of of people who want to who want to use YouTube for podcasts and um yeah. you know, why not do it? I mean, it doesn't take us like doesn't take too much uh, work. An incredible amount of time. Yeah. yeah. And so I add all those links nice. so they can kind of search through it, um, kind of like chapters. Um, and that now works across YouTube, which is pretty cool if you have those markers in there. So there's kind of like sections people could go and if they got interrupted, they could go back and listen to a certain thing or they can skip ahead to a certain subject they're interested in, um, which is really fun. The show notes are still on the site with everything on there. Or if you're using a like a fancy player, uh, all the show notes are inside there, you know, something like Overcast or, uh, pocket casts or so forth so yeah if you're if you're listening on uh youtube or you're listening on spotify and you're like where are all these links and all these things we're talking (laughs) about you're you should check it out there's tons of that stuff uh, you know they're they're in the drop down (sighs) yeah there's lots there (laughs) yeah cool well dan's uh we gotta not be so uh long (laughs) before you come on again (laughs) come back and visit soon hopefully yeah well you know if you can make time in your busy schedule for me yeah i'll I'll certainly come back (laughs) all right sounds good all right well we'll talk to you soon cool thanks chris all right bye this episode was brought to you by pycharm get a free three-month subscription to pycharm professional edition with this promo code real python that's real python all caps no spaces I really want to thank Dan Bader for coming on the show this week. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real Python Podcast. Make sure that you click that follow button in your podcast player. And if you see a subscribe button somewhere, remember that the Real Python Podcast is free. If you like the show, please leave us a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and I look forward to talking to you soon.